episode 54 of Rebel FM. Uh, it's going to be more like episode 53 and a half, really. Yeah, we kind of have a shorter show just because uh, GDC Real Life calls. We're, uh, Anthony and I are both on deadlines right now. But we wanted to get you guys a show no matter what because we didn't get you one last week because of the MacBook failure. And Game Club didn't happen this week because Matt was booked like crazy and Tyler is having technical difficulties mm-hmm. with Chaos Theory. Yeah, and hey, actually I, I ran into some listeners at the show and they had the same problems. They couldn't get Splinter Cell off Xbox Live either. Hmm. That's well, weird. We'll get it for you off Steam if we have to. Or yeah. I'll just let him use the physical copy and we'll download games for Windows versions. Right. We'll we'll work it out one way or another. Um so th- so let's talk some uh some GDC stuff. Well, are we going to just do GDC or did we want to do 2 weeks of what we've been playing? Well, 2 weeks of what we've been playing will probably take up every th- bit of mo- time we had. I'd prefer to focus first on the GDC games we played at least. Um do you want to go first, or do you want me? No, to go you first? should. I want you to tell me about Transformers. I didn't the game play I really Transformers. Well, still, that was the you shitty saw it thing. though. I want to. I want to know about it. I saw Transformers: War for Cybertron. Um, that, is that they... my cat or your cat? I <laughs> know that's what I was saying. I thought I heard Sorry. a hissing cat. There's pseudo like pussy gorilla warfare going on in our living room. How much of the game did they demo for you? Did they, uh, was they someone playing me. it in front yeah, of you? Yeah, no, they showed, they, there okay. was someone playing it. They showed me all over the game. Like, they showed me the end of the Decepticons campaign. Okay. Um, so there are two campaigns, the Decepticons campaign and the Autobots campaign. The Decepticon campaign is first. Um, Whoa, that's kind of weird. And it explains, uh, like, the... Apparently, they got a lot of carte blanche from, from Hasbro to make this a definitive origin fiction for G1 Transformers. Oh, okay. Yeah, I heard that uh, so much to the point where Hasbro saw what they were doing and was like, we like it, we'll make toys. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what I heard as well. Um, so, so like, it's got the, the story of how Optimus became a prime, uh, where Optimus met Bumblebee. What is it, hold on, first off, I asked someone earlier, what does it mean to be a prime? I don't uh, know. A prime is a leader. Like, I think in the cartoons, it was the Matrix of Leadership. Mm. Like at the end of the like when Optimus died in the cartoon movie, Takes like he pulled thing the thing out of his, out of his chest. chest. Okay. Um, like Hot Rod got it at the end of that movie and became Rodimus Prime. Okay, now it makes sense. Okay. Um, it also explains like the relationship between Starscream and Jetfire, which if you watch the cartoon, um, I think they found Jetfire frozen on Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Starscream acted like things were cool and that they were still buddies and that they were good guys, and then Jetfire learned that they were evil and went to the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, but it explains the Star Starscream Jetfire relationship and and the Starscream Megatron relationship. Um, That's interesting. But uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I just wanted to digress a little bit on the Transformers canon. Uh, last time I was at home over Christmas break, I was talking with my brother about the Transformers origin story, uh-huh. and I, and we were both lamenting about how it's such a cool story, the the, the War of Cybertron, and so it's really cool that some ways. Well, They've never told the War of Cybertron. Right, yeah, Um, but I mean, whoa. Anthony's attack is attacking Anthony's attack. Anthony's cat is attacking my cat. (laughs) She's an angry little thing. Uh, So, so yeah, I mean, the the Decepticon campaign leads directly into the Autobots campaign. Mm -hmm. Like, um, they showed me the last boss of the Decepticons campaign, which I could tell you about, and you'd probably geek out. Uh, uh, Is is it the train state? Excuse me, train station guy? Uh, I think it's a rocket station. Well, okay. It? Omega Supreme. Omega Supreme, okay. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
like the giant transformer and they like right. walked up and showed me like i told them to pick sound wave because you can pick sound wave nice. um and he walks up and he's like up to the the ankle height of omega supreme whoa um so everything is scaled really well the game looks pretty good um one of the things that they were really eager to show off that is actually really cool is everything is sort of transformery and that if you pick up a weapon they're not just holding a gun like it integrates with their body Hmm. Like their arm sort of breaks apart and integrates it in, and then like that's how. So they're they're G one. Do they look like the cartoon? They're pre G one. Um, so they're reminiscent of G one. Like the style is similar, but it's still, it, it's modernized a bit. It's redone a bit. Like they're alien vehicles. They're not human. Hmm. Ve- they're not human yeah. vehicles it's as all like they do. Weird angles. Bear a passing resemblance, yeah. except for Soundwave, who's a truck, like an alien truck. So it's, it's a shooter, right? Is it, it's, it's a third like person a... shooter. Um, but it's Brawler. but it's not cover based. Mm. Like, and the health system isn't completely recharging. It's like resistance or riddick, where it's like four four health bars, and like you'll lose part of one, and it will recharge. But if you lose all of it, like you'll have to find health. Hmm. And there's energon cubes that look exactly like the energon in the cartoon. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, huh. but uh, it, it looks really good. Like, if you go up to a, a switch to interact with a door, like your chest erupts open and like your hands break apart and you like interface with this thing and open the door, which breaks apart in a transformer way. It's just like everything is constantly shifting and transforming the way that you would expect the transformer homeworld to shift right down to when you go up to a turret, like you become one with the mm, turret. Right. Okay. Um, you can transform whenever you want. They said that they made it, they they were very careful to make it so that you could be whatever form you wanted to be at any time, even if one form would be more beneficial. Like oh, if so let's not say, sh- sh- like shoehorning you in. No, to be like, no, you can always part. you can always do what you want, and there will be times where it's like, well, maybe you should take that ramp as a car, but you don't have to. Like you could, it it seems like all the Autobots have jetpacks, and everyone has a melee weapon. Um, but yeah, there's no cover. It's very action based. Like it's very constant forward momentum, like destroying like faceless robot dudes from the other side of which there are many and i asked about that and they they talked about how they wanted to do something more distinctive and more unique but like consoles right now just aren't capable of it like it was too resource intensive to try to like mix them up but uh it looks really cool uh it's not the most graphically intense game i've seen but it's very it feels very correct as far as how it fits in with transformers like the planet looks right um, the performance looks good. The, it's coming out not that long. That's from what I was now. gonna say. Is like what June or something? I, I'm thinking probably July. They say summer, um, and I assume that that means they're gonna release after E3. Right. But uh, it it looks cool. I'm I'm excited for it. There's a lot of Transformers to pick from. There's three player co op throughout the entire campaign. There is online multiplayer, but they're not showing it yet. Um, but yeah. It, I'm I am excited for Transformers War for Cybertron now, which is surprising. I know, which is something you told me a year mm. ago. I would have been like, no, Transformers. What crack suck. are you smoking? Um, <laughs> and it's being done by the Dark Watch guys, right? Yeah, High Moon. They did Dark Watch, and they also did the Born mm. Ultimate or Born Conspiracy game, which was pretty cool. Like it had interesting I just feel ideas. Like the Dark Watch thing is like more like a a good milestone for them. Or at least more fan loved. Anyway. Like they they did interesting things with the Born license and paid it a lot of respect. So there's that. <clears throat> but um, I uh, I played the Born Sprint or not? <laughs> I'm really tired. Come on. <laughs> uh, I played Split Second. 
Yeah, that's a um, game that I'm really curious about. Split Second is like a kart racer without weapons or where instead of weapons you blow up the environment around people to try to wreck them. Right. And that is split it is it's a one trick pony. That is what it does and it's it does it pretty well, but I have concerns as to how the longevity of that game will work. Um is there like an ambush about to happen by my feet? <laughs> there was an ambush. One of the about more interesting things, just visually, about uh, I think it's Split Second, or it might be Blur. I might be confusing these two, but uh, is Split Second the one that has all the HUD on the back of the car? It is. It's not oh, on the I back. That... It's like right underneath the yeah, tires. Yeah, yeah. Like there's I think that's really cool. There's no HUD anywhere, um, mm-hmm. and they do that because they say that they want you to look around the levels for like shit triggers that's trying to kill you that that will blow up. And yeah, you can see shit that's trying to kill you. Like you'll see a fucking helicopter airlifting a tractor trailer or like a fucking construction vehicle off in the distance you're like that is probably going to be bad at some point <laughs> um like power sliding like drifting is what gets you what builds up energy is the best way to describe it to activate like environmental like disasters and also if you save up all of them there are certain points where you can change the track like where it it causes so much devastation that it just fundamentally changes the way the course goes, or you can use you can use like a bar to trigger a shortcut. So really, it's still a racing game, but the goal is to basically out survive everyone. Well, I mean, the goal is to win, like to be first. Right, but, it, but um, by doing that, it's like. But yeah, I mean, it, when you wreck, it just respawns you. Okay. So it's not like, like you're not going to eventually be out of the race. Like you won't be able to continue. Like you'll always be able to continue. I think. But um, it would be cool to see a mode where it was like one elimination, last mm-hmm. man, last man, yeah. Like the graphics are really sharp. Um, the graphics, the the backgrounds look really good. The cars are simple. Um, and that there are points when that becomes a little more glaringly obvious. Like when you wreck, it's like your car, like someone took a, a Hot Wheels and broke it, mm-hmm. and like it's just like a couple pieces. Right. And when I was playing, like, a wheel flew off of a car, and you look inside, and it's, like, a hexagon on the inside. There are so few polygons. Right. So it looks a little rough in spots, um, and it's out pretty soon. But it could be cool. I mean, it's doing something that no other racer is doing, like, the environmental stuff, like, is is its own thing. And if and I can imagine it being fun in multiplayer, like, causing, like, a building to collapse on one of your friends ahead of you, or, like, all of your friends. Like, because you can really completely changed the the status of a race with one trigger i like this it's it's very much your game i was gonna say yeah it sounds like an anthony sort of racer yeah um it makes me think uh my friends and i we were discussing the finer points uh between you know bad company 2 versus modern warfare 2 and, and this just makes me think my friend drew the analogy he was like Modern Warfare 2 is a lot like Mario Kart, where you're doing these kill streaks so you can get the red shell, which will hone down and the, the get the guy shell in the front. Blue shell, you the blue shell. The blue, or, the, you know, yeah. basically the wind shell. Yeah. You know, and I just, I just thought that was a really good analogy. That, like, Call of Duty is more like Mario Kart. Yeah, I mean, Call of Duty can have some pretty serious rubber banding issues, just like Mario Kart does. Um, right. You think? Well, sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's landslide, right? And then sometimes it, you'll have, like, one guy that brings the whole entire team back just because all of a sudden he gets, like, an AC-130 or, uh, or a, nuke. a Cobra or whatever. Yeah, or a nuke, which really does just completely End the game. bring it around. I've never actually seen a nuke during all my time with Modern Warfare. Though. I've never, yeah, I've never had it happen while I was playing. I've seen, oh, like, really? YouTube footage of it. 
but at this rate, I will never see a nuke yeah. in Modern Warfare no, 2 because really I have no lame. interest. I like have, it is really... Uh, it just occurs <laughs> and it's like game over. Yeah, I have no interest in white. going back to Modern Warfare 2. Like, <clears throat> period. Not even the maps that are coming out uh, I have interest at the end in of the month. playing Battlefield someday when I have time. I traded my uh, Modern Warfare 2 you play, Battlefield. You played Battlefield. You played it on PC, right? A little bit one night, yeah. That was mostly to make sure the PC one was mostly the same. And now I also have the PC version in the event that we ever play it. Um, mm. Awesome. Oh, hey, because Arthur has a Steam Press account. Yay! Yay. Um, because my boss fucking knows everyone. Um, so, Tyler, did you, did you see any games during your short time with the, the GDC? Yeah, I sure did. So I was only able to check it out today for a very, very short time. But, um, you know, I sort of made a beeline to that. <laughs> I gave you an hour? Is yeah. that what it was? Uh, I made a beeline to the IGF booth, uh, yeah. the Independent Games Festival. And immediately saw a game that I had no idea was being developed and was like, whoa, where have I been? Um, Which one is that? The guys from, you may, uh, so you folks may know these guys. They're called the Super Brothers. And if you're familiar with anything they've done, they, they did like this animation about cloud computing. And, uh, and basically all their animations have this really cool distinct pixel style. And, uh, you know, all the music's, like, very 8-bit and retro. Mm -hmm. But they've only done, like, video things. So now they're making an iPhone game. And it's still the same, like, Super Brothers traditional style, which is badass. <laughs> um, but they're making it, but, but it's an action game. And so when you hold the iPhone horizontally, you're in sort of the adventure mode. Where, uh, where you can see sort of the overworld and you walk around these different paths and like, you know, there's like deer, you know, hanging out in the background they run off and uh, the, the, whole, the whole game is just really centered around, <clears throat> you know, it's one of these games where it's centered around the art style and everything really gelling and just sort of like being a place, you know, I often talk about games like a, out of this world in this way where right. it's more of like your experience instead of the gameplay, quote unquote. Um, and then what's cool is like when you get into combat, when you find the enemies, you turn the iPhone vertical and then it's almost like it almost turns into kind of like punch out is the way the guy explained it to me. Um, so it might be like this crazy bear guy with like a sword and a, uh, and a shield uh -huh. and, uh, and, and, and they, and in the same way that the punch out villains tell you when they're about to attack and tell you kind of like what kind of attack they're going to do, like the enemies do that same sort of thing. So the jewel and the bear's turban blinks before it's about to hit you. Right, yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, 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 it does a little something and, you know, you, you strike it down. But uh, it looks really cool and uh, it's just, uh, you know, one of these games where the music is amazing and the art is amazing. Uh, you know, I think it could be a lot of fun. It looked, it looked really cool. Um, but from there, I kind of like turned around and noticed the game that I had been looking out for was there, uh, Vessel. And so it was cool. But man, this one guy, dude, some dude was playing it and he was hogging the controller. So I didn't Is get to... Vessel the one with a bunch of liquid. Yeah. Okay. That's and the one where you're... What's the premise of it? I've, I always just see people tilting the world with liquid in it, but I don't right, know Right, yeah. And so, right, I really don't know... T oh, no, no, no. So you're thinking of a different one with liquid, where they're tilting oh, the world. okay. Yeah, okay. so there are there yeah, were two idiots. liquid games there. There were two liquid games, but this is a different... This was one where you're actually a person, uh -huh. a little bitty dude, and, and you are you sort of squirt liquid out of your gun, kind of, a, kind of Mario Sunshine style, but the liquid behaves in the game like you would think it would in real life or something and, uh, uh -huh. and that's just the thing about that game it's like an adventure puzzler kind of game adventure action puzzle I don't know sort of hybrid um, 
that looked really cool. Uh, another game that I saw there that I had, um, you know, I'd seen screenshots of this game, but never played it or anything or seen videos, but uh, Limbo. Have you heard? Yes. I've heard about it. I saw I've Limbo. Actually... I, that was actually one of the few things I saw, and that Limbo looks kind of fucked up. Dude, it's like, did you put the headphones on? Because No, I didn't get a headphones. chance to play it. Like, the problem with the IGF booth is that it's there are a ton of crowded. fucking, like, nerds that are flocked around these indie gaming rock stars, and yeah. all they want to do is, like, play those games and, like, talk to those people. I and mean, so that... us goddamn press can't get a ha- our hands right. on them. I sound like such a little bitch right now. I know, but in a way, like, I mean, what what you're talking about is something very significant. I mean, I feel like this is, it's a place, uh, you know, it's exactly like what you're saying. Like, the dudes, the creators are standing right there next to their game. And yeah. it's like these games that we all see and we love and think they're so creative and wonderful. And it's like, they're right there. I don't know. I think It's that's... just like the indie music scene, except with, with nerds. And I'm not saying that yeah. pejoratively. It's just like this culture. And, and also, if you have been to GDC ever... You know exactly what I'm talking There's about. There's only a couple of games that that did have PR people there. Yeah, Shank there probably did. Shank was yeah. the one. Yeah, Shank had it, and I think maybe the Heroes of Net Worth might have had. Yeah, it they had. Which PR. I was surprised that that's a. Oh, I'm not surprised they're going to sell that game. Yeah, no, yeah, but I was also surprised. I mean, there there was also a couple of people asking like, why is Shank in this still? You know, because they just I it, thought so. It too. got entered in before they ever had a deal with EA. So. Yeah, I mean, they just got a publishing agreement with EA, so right, it's not, not like EA is paying EA. to develop it. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, it is strange. Like they are only one square space in the whole, uh, you know, vendor people that are showing, like you figure the IGF should be like a huge well, chunk of real estate. And you need to understand that they need a lot of floor space to sell CryEngine three, Tyler. <laughs> the reality too, is that a lot of those guys that are developing these indie games probably have to provide their own PCs and everything to demo it. Yeah. So it's like. You know, if they were to like, well, you can have four demo stations if you can supply four PCs. They're like, uh, <laughs> no, right? You know, fuck. I wanted to try Monaco. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to try Monaco tomorrow to write it up. But. Oh man, yeah. I kept on hearing about Monaco, and I kept on hearing about this one that was called like Super Owlboy or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that one was there. Monaco to me, uh, uh yeah, Super Owlboy is cool. Like I, that one has a really cool idea, but uh, Monaco to me seemed more like one of those games where it's such a a really, really smart idea on, I don't know, just a really basic concept, just top-down sort of Metal Gear 8-bit style. I don't know. With, like, bank robbery or yeah, something with, like that? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, like a heist game. It's cool. Um, did you play anything else? Um, yeah. Uh, well, let's see. Um, did you try the game that I found the name of? The one that's called... No, I didn't try Bor- that one. Ru. No, but that's the one I was... Yeah. It's, like, a really... It looked cool if you like adventure games. It's like straight up mm-hmm. first Monkey Island adventure game style. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that name, which apparently it doesn't even say what violence group regret is what that translates to. Yeah, that's very Japanese. And for for the listeners at home, like we were eating, we were talking about this before we started recording. And Anthony, all he said was, I saw this one game that looked cool. It had this weird name, and I knew exactly which one he was talking about. Because when I was standing there, I looked at the game, and I looked at the name, and I thought, why the fuck would you name your game that? <laughs> it is very cool. I mean, people remember that it exists. They don't right. remember the name. but I know, but I was just like, no one's going to remember I that. I like the concept of it. I mean, I'm an adventure game whore, and I like the fact that you can switch between two characters at any time. Totally. And one's like this guy living in this noir world, and this other person is living in this, what the creator Joshua Nurnberger equated to, like he's like in a in a portal-type situation where he wakes up in a lab and he doesn't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And there's all these other subjects running around doing all these experiments. 
don't know. It looks like it could be up my alley, but who knows? I yeah, mean, totally. You couldn't really demo something like that properly there, like when there's like people breathing over your shoulder, because like an adventure game, you got to dedicate some time to. Mm-hmm. A lot of the other games, like what you're talking about, Vessel and stuff, you could play like one level and be like, that was awesome. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. I played a. I just remember that there was one other minor indie title that I played as well. Yeah, is it really a minor indie title, or are you just bullshitting me? <laughs> it was five. Damn it, you ruined the joke. <laughs> you had this look in your face that I was like, he's not really. No, no, I just remembered that I played it. And you were there. Play what? Oh, Street Fighter. Yeah, Street like Fighter. I played Super Street Fighter 4. Oh, cool. Yeah, did you actually get to try out the new guy that everyone No, I, I just got, I had the opportunity to get my ass beat by a tournament player using Hakan. Yeah, Kyle um, Stalick is his name. Kyle, okay. Hi, Kyle. Kyle is a listener. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle is really good at Street Fighter 4. Um, yeah. Kyle went to the semifinals, I think, in the GameStop tournament with a fucking 360 pad. Wow. Like, not the fight stick, not the fight pad, with the directional pad on the, the 360 pad on controller. A, on a retail, just, yeah. wow. What the fuck? And he was the guy I got to play against when I was doing that. I did have the opportunity to beat Ryan Scott at Street Fighter Four, though, and that was good. <laughs> but um, you know what? I, I, I like to hear the fact that this dude went with the 360 controller because it's like, you know what, all you shit talkers? Like, I'm throwing down game on this D-pad. What you got? What he, you he's got? a Zangief player, so that could be part of it. Yeah, Zangief players. Um, <clears throat> But it's I like that the characters they've added to Super Street Fighter 4 make the game feel different. And I heard it's only 40 bucks, right? Yeah, it's going to mm-hmm. be 40 bucks. All the characters un- are unlocked from the get-go, or so I hear. Which is good because I never unlocked the characters in Street, Street Fighter Four. I barely played it, and I, it's it just it got lost in the shuffle while I was waiting to get a fight pad. But um, I I used Guy, who is always my favorite character in the Alpha games. He's from Final Fight, Red Gi. Oh, like Nike. He's shoes. really the guy from Final Fight put yeah. into Street Fighter. The Red Gi, yeah, like they put in a lot of people from Final Fight into Street Fighter at this point. Oh. Like no Adon, idea. like the big the big linebacker looking dude with the samurai mask. So I also thought that the weird like nineteen twenties boxer Sodom, boxer dude was a new character as well. But apparently he's from like Street Fighter Three. Yeah, Bert or not Birdie, but um, fuck, it's so hard to re- remember all their names. I think Birdie is actually from Final Fight as well, or he's hmm. from Street Fighter. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, and the new characters mix it up because. The Street Fighter 3 characters are all much more technical and difficult to, to handle than, like, Street Fighter 2 characters, which is primarily what was in the last game. Um, and Guy is a much more complicated character. He he uses a lot of throws and sort of, like, goes around attacks and has, like, the Chun-Li wall jump and stuff like that. Um, but it, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm no longer angry that it's releasing, and I will buy it when it comes out. Um... And I also played Street Fighter 4 for iPhone. Yeah, Ryan tried that a little bit too and played one round and was like, nope, do not approve. Well, yeah, but Ryan hates everything. Yeah, but that I, game but is, is shockingly functional. I, I, I got the. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. I was like, you know, that anytime I, there's like a digital analog nub. I, again, I, I, was, I did dragon punches with it. Hmm. And not just using the button that's like the special move button. Like I did the motion and it did a dragon punch like reliably. So I'm not going to tell I, I am surprised at the iPhone rendition of Street Fighter 4. It's not bad. I, I, do you know how much it costs? I don't. It just seems like if they're going to do Street Fighter 4 on iPhone, why not do like a like a PSP one or something with the, where there's actually a little analog nub? Maybe because it's harder to pirate iPhone games than PSP games. Truth. 
Man, the MPDs came out today, and I, the biggest surprise to me wasn't the fact that the 360 outsold the Wii for the first time in, like, 29 months, but that Ever. the PSP sold 114,000 units in February. Hmm, weird. That's, like, 12,000 more than PS2. That is a problem. Oh, I mean... That game, that system is, like... And meanwhile, the DS sold, like, 600,000. Like, that is Yeah, but that's, that's bad. been pretty par for the course for the PSP. No, the PSP actually has been selling a little better. Um, and it just, like, it hit the floor, like, last month. And I'm not, I don't know. But um, anyway, Street Fighter, Super Street Fighter 4 was pretty good. Even if I was getting beaten by a bunch of tournament players because Capcom invited a bunch of fucking ringers. Well, I don't think Capcom invited... Kyle was brought in by Ryan and Scott. <laughs> well, I mean, I, they did invite tournament players. I know they had some that were there, yeah. But Kyle got in because of Ryan. And then later on, Seth, the guy who the character's name for, came and beat a bunch of people as well. Well, Seth Killian, right? Yeah. The, the so he Capcom showed up eventually and beat on people as well. Community guy, the one that Ryan wanted to fight and lost yeah. to. Yeah, over and over again. But again, Ryan lost to me, so this is not saying much. Yeah, Ryan's pretty much... He's good, but only with Blanca. That's it. That's like his one character. He's a one-trick pony. Blanca, and that's it. Um, so yeah, what else does, do people play? I saw Laura Croft... Something, 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 sun god, or whatever it is. Laura Croft, colon, long title. Guardian of Light or I something forget. like that. Guardian of Light. That's yeah. what it is. Um, is that what it is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Guardian of Light. How did I remember that? Good question. Um, yeah, that, that was like that was so funny that, you know, I didn't know anything about it going into it, and obviously Arthur didn't either because he was like, what? It's a, like when I told him, yeah, when I told him it's like an isometric over the head sort of thing. You know, immediately when I saw it, I was like, oh, this looks like Baldur's Gate for PS2. And they were both like, both people that demoed the game for me were like nodding their head like, yep, that's that's kind of like one of the influences right there. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't quite get into detail about the loot system in it, but they, I totally was like, you know, a game like this would really benefit from like a loot system and like RPG leveling up. And they were like, yeah, it would, wouldn't it? I was right. like, all right. <laughs> I mean, they didn't say it, but yeah. It seems like kind of a foregone conclusion. They said that uh, what they're shooting for is about a six or seven hour game. You know, they want they know that certain games out there like Shadow Complex and stuff have kind of set a tone for a longer game. Do they give a price? Uh, I think it's going to be fifteen, which is why they want it to be like a six or seven hour game. As well. I mean, that's longer than most fifteen dollar games on Xbox Live Arcade right now. Right, but they just feel like certain games like Shadow Complex have really set a standard that they want to live up to. And how it's, much was Shadow Complex? I think it was fifteen as well when it came out. Um, but it had a, you know, it has like really good looking environments. You know, it's their engine that they've made, um, I think, scaled back for this. Like, you know, like the engine they use for the other Tomb Raider games, I think. Oh, cool. And then it, so it still has like some destructible environments and stuff. Like Laura can drop little mines and when they go off, it'll like blow up the walls and shit like that. And so it's it's made to be a co-op game. It can be played single player. If you play it single player, Laura has more tools at her disposal to get through the environments but if you play co-op, it's really the way it's meant to be played. It comes off as, like, she has limited tools, but she plays with this other guy who's, like, this this revived warrior from from some fucking mystical. He's, like, somehow magically brought back to life. Because, you know, the Tomb Raider games never really actually... They've always kind of involved mystical shit all right, over the place. Yeah. And so you're fighting with him the whole time, and you have to use each other's abilities to get through the environment. So there might be a ledge that's higher up, and so he'll throw spears, like that Laura can then jump onto to get up. But he's too heavy to use his own spears. They'll break. So then she Wait, might... Wait. Blue spheres? 
Spears. 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 Oh, like uh, so she does like the acrobatic run on the spears. Right. And, and so he okay. and so he can throw those for her to use and then like she'll like grapple onto his chest and pull him up. You know, like stuff like that. Or, I'm like spoiling all the foreplay because I'm supposed to go see this game tomorrow. Well, I mean, you'll still see it for the first time. Seeing it is is different, you know. And it's I still, understand that there will be other scenery for me to. And it still has uh, environmental puzzles that are classic Tomb Raider stuff. You know, I will perhaps sta- want to wage war in another country. Standing, standing <laughs> on switches. You know, uh, you you know, rotating blocks. It has all the classic Tomb Raider stuff, except now they throw in these two player puzzles that really require you guys to think and work together. And and if that comes together with those like cool RPG elements, it sounds like it could be really cool. They're also like they said that the story's told through like either camera panning cutscenes with dialogue, but most of it's gonna be done through like comic book style drawn cutscenes mm-hmm. that they weren't showing just yet. Huh. So it's releasing this summer, hopefully as a summer of arcade thing, mm-hmm. but Microsoft hasn't decided which games are making the cut for that yet, so they're not sure. They've so. done a lot of seasonal promotions so far. Like mm-hmm. they're doing the yeah. the block party this month. Right. I think that's smart. So for me, I mean, it seemed really appealing to me, right? Because, you know, I think after, like, Legend, I was like, wow, Tomb Raider games are still pretty cool. And then Underworld came out, and, eh, you know, it's like, so seeing them take, like, the Lara Croft name in a different direction, you know, one that, again, they wouldn't confirm for me, but they did seem kind of hinting at the fact that if this does well, they could release basically, like, episodes of these little adventures. And these How are they? Things. I mean, the... the I'm surprised that they were just hinting that at you because it seems so fucking obvious that that's well, what they're doing. I, well, it's, no, it's, I think they're making this one, and then if it does well enough, they'll keep going with yeah. it. I just huh. think that they're looking for different ways to make money as Crystal Dynamics rather mm. than just cranking out Tomb Raider after Tomb Raider. I mean, I think it's I think it's perfect. You know, I've been saying a lot, like, so many companies should be making more live arcade and more PlayStation Network games, you know? Like, I said that about Grin. Like, you know, they were just... The, stuck to making those games they might be better off i mean for some of these companies right um you know it's a it can be a great way to make money and not have to spend millions upon millions yeah. of dollars you know, yeah and that's exactly that. yeah what i'm getting at with that so but yeah i saw that and then uh i saw Civ five which Ma- so i saw it you know i saw it tyler yeah yeah i know i, I know i wanted to ask you about it but i was like oh, i'll wait till the show yeah so you- i heard they're getting rid of the road spaghetti uh, what do you mean? Like, as far as like, because actually they didn't really talk about roads at all during my demo. I hear the water is very pretty. The water is very pretty. Skip was not lying when he said that. Um, no, I mean, what do you what do you mean the road spaghetti? I read. Uh, I I read that you know how uh, in Civ Four when you make roads, like roads, oh they all like, end up just they can all just going. look like bullshit. Probably they, got they didn't really that. get as much into that. The things, the big takeaways for me were that advisors are in the game mm-hmm. just like apparently advisors were also in civ 3 but oh okay but they weren't Civ as 4 you mean civ 3 specifically. oh they weren't and in they civ weren't 4. In civ 4 but they were big in and civ they were rev, in civ rev yeah. and i think they've learned from that and so they're bringing them back to be just as helpful mm-hmm. and ignorable and in civ 5 and except they're also bringing up this new notification system so anytime things happen each turn you'll get like a list of notifications inside like little circles you can click to expand out if you want but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. But they're also there to help you if you're like, hey, you've left this worker idle, this settler idle for five turns. We just thought you might want to know. Oh, okay. You know, just like cool. little things yeah. because, you know, it can be a lot to manage Yeah, all that. But the big takeaway for me is just that you can't stack units on one space anymore. Oh, so, really? So all any military unit basically, ha- each one can only take up one space ever. Mm. So when you get into battles, a lot of times it's more like five on five. 
rather than these gigantic stacks where you're like, what do they really have? I only see one tank. Yeah. But they actually have 800 units right, sitting right, right there right, in right. one spot. So how does that work then, like, when you're building units and stuff and, like, garrisoning them in your cities? Okay, so that's the other thing. Cities no longer can be garrisoned with troops at all. What? Cities, only, cities defend themselves only. So cities cities have HP that's based on their total population, and they what? do their own attacking and defending. So no more troops in cities at all. Blowing my mind. And so the, because city population determines the city's HP, it basically, I think the idea, they didn't ex explicitly say this, but the idea I got was they don't want you to spam a bunch of cities really close to one another to try and grab up a bunch of land. Because if you have one city that's really close to another, it can only expand so much, which means its HP they will always be low. Okay. So you need like a few really big, powerful cities, just like now since each unit only takes up a, sp takes up a space, you'll have a few powerful units that you want to hold on to. You know, and get them veterancy, mm -hmm. and so they've changed certain things too. Like archers can now fire over the unit in front of them, so you'll put like a melee attack unit, and then archers behind them mm -hmm. to actually shoot and soften up the guys. So there's more of actually like a combat, a tactical combat to it. You know, and that's but, really cool because that's one thing that I felt with Civ Four. A lot of times, my tactical decisions were kind of like I really didn't know what I was making. Like, no, it was it yeah. was basically like I have more than they do. I'll just slam my. My yeah. big, my big thing against yeah. them until they're gone. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that could be, along with the, you know, the obvious learning curve they've done with Civ Rev to understand that we don't have to make it quite as complicated. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it looks, it looks like it could be really cool. Like I walked in there being like, did we really need another Civ? And I walked out being like, okay, I will buy that. When <laughs> right. So and so, what was a? Uh, I know there was a little bit of a uh, confusion because like George Washington was on the cover of like PC Gamer or something as uh, for Civ Five. Yeah, he's he's just and that was Jason Wilson that wrote that feature too. I think. Oh really? I didn't know that. That wouldn't surprise me. Hmm. I did not know that. But is it like you know? Are are, are they trying to focus like a campaign? No, no, no. It's, it's just, just it's just it's just that uh, another big part of it is that all the characters in the game now are like larger than life was the way they described them which is just like with air quotes yeah well you know like the way that you the, in the previous games when you deal with another nation they pop up in washington might be like hmm. yeah yeah and you yeah. just do that well now all of them have all their dialogue it's spoken. oh okay so when cool. he appears and he like tells you that you've made war against him he's like no nah, this shall not stand and like <laughs> his hand and stuff. And they're like full bodied now they're not just like an image oh, okay you know? that's so good every, all they're interacting with them is, i like, assume they're, they're like it, like real-time cutscene type things right right and so then they'll just pause for a second and you'll have the option of where you're going to direct the conversation so they wanted to make all the characters and everyone you know and they all speak in their native tongue so if you talk to bismarck he's speaking in german cool you know so it it seems like it could be re i mean it's obviously gonna be really cool so. right it seems like it could be so if, uh, i might bet on that i might bet on that franchise yeah i mean you saw a true crime right i uh, know no? I saw a little bit of Mafia. Oh, okay. Too, which yeah, it looked like GTA set in the set in the forties. Um, Tyler and I saw one more, th a little bit of one more thing today. Right, Deus Ex. Tell me about that shit. Uh, Deus Ex Three. What little we saw of it looks pretty fucking awesome. What exactly did they show at this? Was it just like here's three screenshots or what? No, well they showed a screen of combat. Um, and the combat system uses a third person cover mechanic like Rainbow Six Vegas. That was specifically what this guy brought up as a point of comparison so so sorry who is making this 
Eidos Montreal, like Which a brand new studio. studio. Oh, no, okay. No, brand new studio. Like they, the studio was created pretty much expressly to do this game. Yeah, they like um, started with five dudes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of the stuff was stuff we've heard about already. Like that, they're com- there. It's like a neo Renaissance Baroque kind of sensibility with cyberpunk. Yeah, is it still um, supposed to try and focus on those RPG things that made Deus Ex popular? It, it seems or? like it does. Like they they showed us a dialogue section where you're talking with someone in first person, and it has like a radial dialogue tree option, and it all like we saw very little of gameplay. But we saw some visuals, and the game looks fucking great. Yeah, like, like uh, really they, impressive. There what, were a few times use Unreal Three. No, they're using their own engine. It's their own engine, everything. I mean, and it really looks like its own thing. Um, you know, just the fact that it's not made in Unreal Three just gives this game a whole another level of its. And, and and that was a big part of their talk was like, you need to have like your visual hook. Like as long as it's as it's yours, you know, it could be something really unique. And he brought up examples of like. Team Fortress 2 of like having its own and Bioshock yeah and, and Bioshock like that. Or, hmm. whereas like games like Crisis go for like more of a realistic look they're going for more of uh, an illustrated look hmm. and so it just it looks like they're they're really successful thus far like their characters look convincing and human but they're not in the uncanny valley, t- valley territory and like he did make reference to Heavy Rain how he, he talked about how when it was coming out, or when they were talking about it at first, they were talking about how they had overcome the Uncanny Valley, and he said that, I mean, that game is a great game, and these characters look great, but those those character models are fucking scary. They can be. And, yeah. Um, I think we're going to see the game for real, for real, tomorrow. tomorrow. So um, is it a... Is it is it supposedly 2010 or is it yeah. like? Oh, really? I, well, that's that. I, that's what Ido said in their last earnings call. I think is that huh? it's still scheduled for this year. That could good. be like a dark horse for game of the year. It I, well, especially if it comes out at the end of the year. Most games that win game of the year always come out at the end of the year um, without fail. It seems to be doing some of the stuff that we really love to see, and like it's pretty bold of you to say that. It like could be the a dark adaptability, horse for game of the year for just a couple screens in the presentation. The adaptability of like Bioshock's combat with like the sort of dialogue stuff from Mass Effect, and it it's got a lot of potential. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, if if that's something that you'll you'll like, you of all people would say that off of seeing this presentation. It's like, you know, it makes, yeah. it makes me kind of excited. Oh, now I kind of wish I was going to the thing tomorrow, but. I mean, you can probably get them to let you go, but uh, I I mean that's I'm sure it's just like from hearing the guy talk about his game for an hour, like sold me on it a little bit, and like hearing about the trials and tribulations of yeah, figuring out what they needed to do. But that could be really that, that's that's exciting because that's a game that's like you know that was off everyone's really, radar. Exactly. Like that, that wasn't, wasn't on really any of the lists mm-hmm. that I saw. Like the list that we all had to fucking make because that's what you do at the beginning of the year is make a list of games coming out that right. could be awesome. And no one said anything about Deus Ex. I mean, as far as I knew, until they said that they were going to show it at uh, GDC, I didn't even know it was actually coming out ever. No one has seen anything of this game. Well, we've known it's been in development. People have known that for sure. Since 2007. They confirmed it in 2007. But that's how long they've been working. But they say that sometimes, and then then it turns out that it was never actually anywhere. Well, no, usually when they say that, a game will be in development, and development might get canceled. That's what I mean, like maybe it. development though just meant like they had concept art no. and they were working on a few test renders. I don't think there was any way that Eidos would cancel this game because there's too much writing on it. Like they mm-hmm. created a studio for this game. And it just seems like it's like one of the potentially large franchises they still own. Yeah. Yeah. I'm skeptical that it will make it out this year. 
I'm, I don't know. Just because of how much little of the actual it, game they showed it us. It depends on how it looks tomorrow when people see it. Yeah. I mean, and they were showing like us... way farther than any of us think. Like, video where you could tell, like, they had the, the Xbox control dialogue, you know, diagram yeah. in the bottom corner. Like, you could tell, like, it was, like, probably an alpha build or something. So, I'm more skeptical that it's going to make it out this year. But, still looks pretty damn cool. Um... And like one, I I don't know about you, Arthur, but like one thing I really enjoyed about the talk was his. Uh, he mentioned how he wished he would have at first started what well, you know for their character art. He wished he would have started with a fashion designer hmm. instead of character artist uh, to get the clothes uh, character right. concepts because concepts artists have a certain vocabulary, a vo- certain uh, language like visual language certain, that they like, use. There's a certain motif that goes with most concept art these yeah. days, like a certain kind of over, overarching, like group think about the way that mm-hmm. things are built and drawn. Instead of and, like thinking sure. about fashion, like clothes. Well, yeah. about just thinking outside of the box. Like the only movie of the last like twenty years I can think of that had really distinctive visual design was The Fifth Element. That's exa- literally the one I was gonna say. If I was thinking a weird, distinct, clothing, and like they had like, someone, the they had someone design it that didn't doesn't typically do concept art, which is Mobius, like who's a French, uh, a French comic artist. Hmm. But, but yeah, I thought. I mean, me being someone who's like way into fashion, I thought that was particularly cool. <laughs> but it, I mean, it looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to see it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I'm at the continuum. Uh. Uh, not continuity guys, the guys, uh, if listeners, the ones I tried to pronounce all their names. The Swedes. The Swedes. I met three of them. They were very, very cool. Did they talk to you about meatballs? No, they, no, they didn't talk to me about meatballs. They, they didn't try to sell me on any meatballs. That was a hell of a joke. <laughs> I don't know. Every time you go to Ikea, that's all you see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, buy meatballs. The meatball sauce. Or fish. Um, So I, I also last, but I guess, and potentially the least, maybe. I played SOCOM with the PlayStation Move. Oh, yeah, PlayStation Move. Oh, you oh, went to yeah, that press conference, didn't you? Yeah, I was at the press conference. You know, and it, and it wasn't that people were like, didn't care at all, but it was kind of like, it was kind of like people were, like, it, when they saw it at E3, right, and then they were just showing tech demos, there were actually some people who were like, woo! And no one cool. got to touch it, right? At uh, E3? At nope. oh, E3, no, yeah. And so, but this year when they did the demos on stage and they were actually showing, like, software. It was kind of people were like, eh, you know, I don't know. Which is sort of the exact opposite reaction I'm hearing that's that the people that are seeing it are having towards Natal. Yeah, you would say that, Team Xbox. Totally. Um, it, but is it? No, I mean, actually, yeah. but but the thing that we were all talking about afterwards actually was that, you know, it's like Natal, right? The reason that Natal seems like so much smarter to me than the PlayStation Move is that, so Natal, let's say it's, let's say it's even like $150, right? Like, I have no idea what the price point is, but let's say it's $150, which I think is probably more than what it'll end up being. That's probably about 50 to Yeah, I, I hear it's mostly going to be like 100 bucks. But anyways, it's like, let's say it's even 150 bucks. 150 bucks one time, I set that shit up, I'm good to go. And it's like, but with this PlayStation Move, it's I think they said it was going to be like 100 bucks for a game and a controller and the camera. And I was like, all right, so that probably means that each controller is probably A controller like, and a sub-controller. Each controller is probably going to be like, I'm going to guess, 30 to $40. Subcontroller twenty to thirty dollars, you know. So you're expecting Wii pricing. Yeah, and so and so when you imagine like some of those games require you to use two of those controllers, all of a sudden the price point is like significantly more, especially if they want to do these party games than the Natal is like way more. And it just it feels tacked on. 
Well, I mean, of course it's tacked on. I mean, it's it's the system. They it's weren't physically, thinking of that going out. Like, I don't just mean like, oh, <laughs> I mean, well, it's an add-on. I mean, like, too. it feels like they're just, like, hammering all this stuff together and throwing it out there and saying, okay, well, now you can make games of this, so you go do that. Well, I mean, the guys that I talked to from from Zipper, Makers of Mag, and more famously all the older SOCOM games, who are now taking up the SOCOM flag again this year, um, you know, they said they've had it for a while. And it did show. I mean, the game with the with the with the move did control like really well. Like, I I mean, it wasn't like the best controls ever, right? Like I would probably end up still playing it just with analog sticks, at least in the condition it was now, but they said they've actually only implemented it about three months ago. So, I mean, who knows if it'll get, you know, I can't say whether it'll get a lot better towards launch Mm -hmm. so far. Analog is still my preferred way to play. Um, But for me, the only reason I will buy a move just like pretty much the only reason I will buy Natal all comes down to the software that it comes out with. And Natal actually is an easier sell for me, again, because it's a one-time thing. I get that and I have it set up, whatever. That's easier for me. This PlayStation thing where I might need potentially more all comes down to exclusive software. Like anything PlayStation at this point, like whether it's my PS3, it, that's like the only reason I buy their stuff a lot of times is is whether they get some really cool exclusive mm-hmm. things, and that's what it's going to come down to. They're going to yeah. have to have really compelling games. And they're already seeing like their first Wii port, right? In that game. That's with, the thing like, is, is if it's the just Lord of the that Rings shit, game. If it's just that shit, I could care less. And uh, you know, I'm just thinking of it. You know, the Natal. It's just a camera, and uh, if the developer decides he wants you to also use your controller, that's an option. Right. But like with the place, it's just like you're more bullshit. Like, okay, so I have my uh, six axis con- or my dual shock shake three. I'm good. Um, but now this game, I need to break out my motion controllers. You right. Know, Again, it's just like the only thing I've I've heard anybody say positive about it while I was there was that the augmented reality stuff. Like, yeah, that stuff seems, seems like it could be cool really cool because it does use the PlayStation Eye, so mm-hmm. they can get pictures of you doing things and then make a frying pan actually appear in your hand while you're doing yeah. it rather than, you know, they can turn the controller into things, which in theory Natal can do too, right? Yeah. They could add a fucking tennis racket to your hand. Mm-hmm. So the augmented reality things seem like they could be cool if they did more with that. That being said, don't be surprised if after saying all this shit talking that I am, I end up buying one just so I can play with my with my iPad. Right, for sure. I mean, yeah. It's like that. So that's all they got to do is find like the one or two killer apps. Well, just, I don't know the iPad would be a killer app for everyone. But I, I think won't. I just think it's unfortunate for Sony that they launched the way they did here because right. I mean I understand why they did it because this was Sony's chance to get in before the signal to noise ratio is just ridiculous for Natal. Right. Like trying to to like show that stuff at E three again would have been a mistake. Yeah. Right. And Nintendo is probably going to announce another Zelda game at at E three. So like there's it's and hard for Sony to, to compete. Uh, really. That's what you're hearing. That's what I think. A successor to the DS that actually involves Natal-style motion things. So that'll be the, controls, the, yeah. the third successor to the DS Lite in 18 months. 600,000 DSs last month say hi. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just you unfortunate. Know, but, yeah, it, I've heard things like going around about the places move, like Wii HD. Well, it's because right off the bat in the in the montage video, this is how people will segue from the Wii into the PlayStation Three. In the montage video, what do you see? You see bowling, you see archery, like all the shit that we just played in Wii Sports. Except it looks like characters from home doing it. Instead yeah, of and right. still so it's, not it's like very Wii good. HD, which is why people called it that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know, man. 
Yeah, I mean, I did, nobody I, I know walked Sony away doesn't particularly seem, like, wow. They don't seem like a visionary company to me. They don't seem like visionaries. They seem like people who try to like set, set like a... I don't know that that's true. I think that Sony can be forward-thinking, but I think that Sony is at its best when it's out in front of people and has room to experiment because there's not that feel of desperation. Right now, yeah, I think they're, yeah, they're that, like... That's more of what I'm getting at. They like, seem desperate. Like, Sony is like, fuck, what are we going to do? We need to reestablish ourselves. We can't do this this gen. This we need to come back ahead. This is their second motion control solution. Yeah, I mean, the success. This is the was, second time. Was a failure. It was a failure. Like, I mean, let's, no one let's could say, say it's what it is. Other than the six it, axis is a failure. Six home failure. There are less games. <laughs> like, come on, let's now, put it on the list. There are less games now that use six axis than there were when the system launched. Well, when the system launched, it was just like everybody shoehorned it in by almost like mandate, it felt like. And nowadays. Well, I mean, we heard that it was a mandate. And in but nowadays, cases. I'm saying six axis is. The the use of six axis these days, at least nowadays, at least makes a little more sense a lot of times when it happens. Yeah, because they're using restraint. There are games that had mild six axis use three years ago that got a sequel last year that have no six axis use. Right. So that's so now that it isn't a mandate, they're not using it. But I'm saying that Heavy Rain is like the one game I can think of that I didn't mind the six axis in. And they're supposed to add move support to that. Oh well. Like they talked about it before, like when it was known as Arc or Gem, that they were going to add that support to it. Oh, yeah. And they had hoped to have it in at launch, but it got pushed back. For me, that game feels like it was made for six axis. Um, I just so I mean, Sony helped publish Heavy Rain. Like Sony is pushing very quirky original indie games. Like it's not that Sony is not doing stuff. PSN games that are pushing things like they are letting people like naughty dog like really take a risk on developing ip like uncharted they're letting like insomniac do ratchet and clank it's not like sony is afraid of risk it's just i i don't think that sony operates as well from third place you know like because that they've never been in that situation right um yeah whereas like microsoft understands like Microsoft, Microsoft had to build also, themselves out of nothing in the console. Microsoft also just has, sector. I think, a great like like people drive people that just also just come up with awesome weird. Well, shit the people shit. like the people behind Natal and the people behind Xbox are the people that are sort of revamping Microsoft corporate culture. And Microsoft in general, their tech is getting a big. You know, uh, the TED talks recently they've been showing a lot of their photo searching well, stuff. Just a that, lot of but their, I mean, even like in the last you know, you know like couple of years, the Zune HD and that. What's that thing called, Arthur? You know, the thing that's like almost like their tablet, their concept. So, of oh, the courier. Yeah, the courier. That courier thing looks, looks fucking awesome. It looks the badass. journal. That yeah, that basically, and you can switch, throw it between the two pages and store it in the middle. And I mean, just, you know, they obviously have some people that are just coming up with really fucking crazy tech. And ideas. all of these people are in, are in the entertainment and devices division. This is like the, like once Jay Allard shipped the 360, so, like he moved up in entertainment devices. Though wasn't devices. Natal thought of by Microsoft? Wasn't that originally a third-party thing and then they bought I it? I think yes. Microsoft was working on Natal stuff first and then they heard about that and bought and that the company. And camera just made sense for them. Yeah. And integrated it into okay. but yeah, I the mean, project. Who knows? I'm, I'm, I'm still not ready to 100% write it off, but I know that when we all walked away from that last night playing the games, we were like, meh, you know, whatever. They can only fool you with a Wii once. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what that's it is. How yeah, I that's feel, what sucks man. too. Yeah, I mean, the like, Wii basically ruined it for me yep. in a lot of ways for them. And I feel I'm the same way with Natal too. Like, I am I'm too. I mean, I'm still. It, it, it comes not, down to the games. I mean, the thing it about Natal to the games is at this point we know that if it's a Natal game, it is a fucking Natal game. It is not a game where you're like, oh, well, you can use it if you want to. 
Yeah, like although, I th- although I think some games are going to be that way. They might throw in Natal controls as well. As I think there are going to be games that have very heavy Natal elements right, that are I, required. Right, but I, I, it still seems like they were going to have like the racing game that could be a racing game and still a controller racing game. Maybe. I mean... I, I fully expect that the reason we didn't hear about EA Sports Active for 360 announced a couple days ago is because... EA is going to announce an active for Natal. It just seems like such a risk for any company to dedicate a game to being like, like imagine a burnout game that is Natal exclusive because you're already segmenting a huge chunk of your audience potentially. It's the same reason that they've never allowed mouse and keyboard support a lot of times because they don't want to segment their audience yet again. What you know, for for three sixty? For like yeah, for home consoles a lot of times. That's not I've why talked, they don't want mouse and keyboard. Well, but I've talked to some people and they've said things like that. Other controller solutions are because they don't want to further segment their audience a lot of times. Well, you can say that, Arthur, but I'm saying what I've been told. Okay, well, that's damage control bullshit. So like, that's not why they don't have keyboard. And but mouse, not just. But, but not just that. I'm just. But saying you're that. right. I mean, you're they, correct. It's it's dangerous because you could potentially be like, oh, now our audience went from being X million to X hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. So. But I mean, my, I think Microsoft is expecting to sell a couple million Natal between launch and the end of the year. I hope so. I mean, like I said, if it has some badass games, I'm down to buy any of these if there's some badass games that make me want to buy it. Natal, I'm not, man, I'm not, I'm, the shit about Natal I'm excited about is barely games. It's like interfacing with the system. Yeah, well, that's that sounds cool too. Yeah, like because honestly, on minority report control of my dashboard. Right, all, <laughs> all that looks cool to me because the, they better redesign so, the fucking dashboard. So far, too, the games don't. It. Like, all the games they've shown, like, kick the balls. They're they all novelty things. I mean, they haven't shown any games. That's what I'm saying. It. All those things are just tech demos, novelty things. They, they look like, I see the potential. Now show me the game that's going to make me fucking go out there day one and buy it. This is the problem with Move, is that we started talking about Move, and it segued into a longer com- conversation about Natal. Well, there's no way. <laughs> that's the problem. There's that is the problem. problem. There's no way it couldn't, because when you think about that, there's these two solutions. Because Sony is sandwiched between fucking Microsoft and Nintendo. I mean, the, the reality of it is, is like I said, for me, right off the bat was one's asking me to spend way more money than the other potentially. And like for an investment for a, a, a platform that isn't even going to be every game they make for the system. Like with the Wii, I bought all these controllers because that is the way you play all those games. With Sony, it's going to be like, yeah, there's, you know, there's some move games, but then there's also all the games for your six axis. And then it just becomes just like the PlayStation Eye. Yeah. You know? Yep. All right. All right. Do you want to take a break and do some letters? Or but well, there stop? there are two games I would love to talk about that I played that weren't GDC games. If we have time, what Battlefield Bad Company? No, two? not what? neither of them. But although I have been playing Red Faction uh, Guerrilla, no, Love and Cortex Command. Oh, you did play Love. Um, yeah, let's just Cortex talk, let's Command. Let's just talk about those, and then if we feel like doing letters, we can. If not, we can't. Whatever. But tell me about. I actually do want to know about Love because I. We got so beta codes, and I, we haven't had a chance to play I know, and you oh, guys I have playing a bunch. I have a fucking Blur beta code that I haven't used yet. Well, you got to actually hang out and meet the guy. That yeah, I hung out with Eskul, and uh, it's really cool. So, like, just to get just to go into the game first. Um, uh, so, so if you've never seen any screenshots of Love, it's really sort of hard to describe the visual style, but it's basically, like, flat polygons. Like, there's hardly any textures in the world. And uh, everything looks just very abstract. Like, that's sort of, you know, how I would describe it. So the way I've always sort of described it is, like, user-generated MMO, right? That's, it's almost a misnomer to say that. So think of of love as a a misnomer. Is that, did I use that correctly? This is called a miz. A miz? 
think it's misnomer, but misnomer is, is fine. I like hearing you say misnomer. <laughs> okay, I pronounced it Ms. wrong. A misnomer. Ms. Sorry. A Ms. Uh, yes, I'm an asshole. Write <laughs> me letters. So okay, so you do play with other real real play with real people, but you never are playing against real people. There's like AI in the world, and so think of the world. <laughs> That's for the sequel. Hate. Right. Yeah. I I jokingly said that to him actually. Uh, well, over dinner. I'm not funny. <laughs> but uh, so think of the world as an actual sphere, and you can walk from the top of the sphere to the bottom in like ten minutes or so. So it's actually a pretty small planet, and the planet's always kind of there. And so basically, there's these like settlements. There are like AI settlements, which will always be there and like be in these different uh, lands on the planet. Lands, you know, they're like the jungle land and the ice land. Uh, and then you have your settlements that you create and that the other players create around you. So if like if I'm going in and just by exploring the world, I find these things called tokens and I can go back to my settlement and put down these tokens. And now this token gives me the chance to like create something that I can use in the game. Like maybe it gives me a missile launcher or maybe it gives me the chance to like um, maybe it gives me the roof tiles. So, like, while you're building your settlement, like, you're pull, pulling up walls, putting in windows, you put, put on the roofs, but you also need, like, power. So, you got to, like, find these power wells, and it's it's a very unique game, and totally up my alley. totally weird. It's totally weird. You know, totally out there, but, uh, but I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm really loving it. I, you know, I love very sort of abstract games and games where you can build, and uh, and that's just what this game is all about. It's all about... Uh, like creating a settlement and keeping it going because as soon as people stop working on your settlement and stuff like that, the game then goes back and erases everything or, or uh, starts to degrade. So it's like you, you could be walking around the planet and you'll find these little signposts and the signposts will say players constructing a sanctuary at these coordinates. And so the game is coordinate heavy. So you go to those coordinates and like there's a little settlement and it's like, okay, go find tokens and add to the settlement. You know, it's just like one of those games. So it's all about everyone working together. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And, and like one thing I, you know, I think that's really cool about the game is, uh, it's first person and the way they deal with first person movement. I've never seen any other first person shooter or first person game do it this way, but it just feels extremely smooth. Like when you turn to look or looking around there's something, uh, something very, there's a great finesse to it. And, uh, and it's just the art style is beautiful. I, I mean, plan on trying it. It's I really wonderful. do at yeah. some point in life. It's a trip. It's it's a totally like real like, love, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's it, it it's a discovery game. Like it's a game you go and just sort of discover things. And then when I hung out with the guy Eskel, he's like this real crazy guy. Uh, you know, he busted out his laptop and started showing me the tools that he made because he made the Love's engine. He made the Love like. Basically, 3D Studio Max. He made a model generator. I make a love engine he, in my room. Every I was day. About to say, <laughs> he, he made love, is what you're saying. Yeah, and I mean, this dude he showed is, you how to make love, right? Yeah, he showed me how to do it. But he's he fucking the like nature of love. Some kind of <laughs> he did. He, he he's a brilliant <laughs> guy, man. These uh, are the mechanics of love. Sorry, we'll stop. We'll stop. Yeah, yeah. So the 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 tools he made was like you can be in his model editor, and like whatever you're doing in there would reflect real time in the game, or like if you're in your texture editor, uh, the texture editor to the model editor to the game, they're all completely connected. It's 
just fucking awesome. I am a twelve year old boy. I'm sorry. I, I keep thinking <laughs> like too. The textures oh. of love. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, but yeah, it was fun hanging out with him. What was the other one that you said you you got to? Oh fuck, my new obsession. Cortex Is that the name command. of the game? <laughs> Dude. Oh fuck, my new obsession can no, be a great Cortex indie command. Fucking awesome. What is that about? So. It, it's it's a 2D side-scrolling game, and uh, it reminds me a lot of Lemmings. Uh, that's the impression I get a lot. But basically, uh, you're a brain because yeah. humanity has moved uh, so much into like cybernetics. There's no longer any human bodies, only brains. Uh-huh. So your whole thing is like you need to protect this brain with all these droids. And it so sounds you like, like Deus Ex 14. <laughs> right. So you like send your consciousness to these droids that you can call down, and basically like. Uh, they control like kind of flimsy is how I would describe how they can, you know, with like the WASD and everyone has jet packs, but they control kind of weird. So it like makes sense that your brain is just sort of going into these robots. So they f- control weird. But the cool thing about the game is, uh, everything has different physics properties and sorts of things. So, um, like say I have a drone and you can call in sort of new equipment to handle whatever situation you need. And when you call in the, uh, your equipment, you know, like a dropship will come in, and you can pick all different types of dropships, and they have their benefits. But, like, if the dropship comes and lands where my guy is, like, he Just will crush him. my guy. Like, my guy will get crushed and totally fucking killed. And, and, or if I'm walking and there's a guy shorter than me, like, on a ledge below me, and I walk over him, like, I'll step on him and crush him. And uh, But, like, the, graf- the graphics are really amazing, too, because it's got that kind of, like, 16-bit sensibility. Yeah, is this the one that you sent me videos for? Yeah. The one that looks, it, to me, it always kind of reminded me of, like, a Worms game. A lot the like graphics, Worms. graphics, as far as the Worms, is like Worms. Yeah. Because you can shoot into the ground and stuff, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, like Worms, but not so much to where you're, like, messing with trajectories or stuff. They actually have really cool, a really cool system for, like, aiming and shooting. Like, uh, this to, is out now, too. It, it's right? out now. It's out now. You can play a demo for free or you can download and buy the game. But yeah, there is digging. So you have, so you'll see like specks of gold in the dirt around you. And so you have your workers' drones going and like digging tunnels. You could do cool shit. Like, you can dig a tunnel all the way behind the enemy's base and like just totally fucking lead all your dudes in there. And, and the whole thing about Cortex Command is like, it's those crazy moments that just sort of happen. And you're like, well, that kind of sucked, but it was also kind of funny. Right, when you a know? ship comes in and crushes your own guys. Totally. Yeah. Same thing, and I mean, not to go back to Worms, but as soon as I saw the game, that's what made me think of. I mean, that's what always made Worms such a blast to play, mm-hmm. was when something idiotic would happen, like you'd throw a grenade and it'd bounce back in your face and blow you to pieces. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, it's that's it's, this game a lot. The potential for bad shit to happen all the time is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but it's cool, but like even when you, like, 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 like say one of my droids gets destroyed, and, like, you could see his head or his foot, you know, debris. If you walk over it, like, it will crush the little bits of pixels that you step on. And only those bits of pixels. There's no sort of canned destruction. There's no canned anything. Like, if you shoot a drone, say, on the left shin, it will nick off a part of armor right there. Like, a couple of little pixels. It's really badass. There's some really cool tech. And, I don't know. I'm loving it. Like, it's my new obsession. Cortex Command. Yours for only fourteen ninety five. I think I it's like ten bucks. Much. Actually, I, am, I think lying. it's just ten. It's just we were sounding like a commercial for a second. Mm-hmm. Entirely but, too occupied paying forty four thousand Microsoft points for Dragon Age Awakening, Tyler. I'm sorry. Whoa! I actually think it's thirty two hundred. Is that yeah. like the m- most expensive thing on 
nice live arcade. Much, uh, no, I'm pretty sure was, that forty dollars right? is more than uh, is more than the Shivering Isles. Yeah, Shivering Isles was thirty. That's the other thing I'm playing right now, but I'll talk about that next week. Ah, um, well, word, 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 bird. Yeah, Cortex Command, though, dude. It's like, it really is awesome. Are we just gonna end it? I was asking you. Yeah, I think we are. Well, we're gonna read a bunch of letters next week. But, but we're we're both on deadline. But uh, you should write All us three. Uh, send us a bunch of letters to uh, letters at eat sleep game dot com to tell us about how we're idiots about the PlayStation Move. And, uh, <laughs> I really I'm wanted s- to make it a point not to talk shit about the PlayStation Move because anything I say is suspect. Yeah, but, but I got yeah. into it because I went and I actually played. It's it. so hard, and like, yeah, I want to apologize to you. Like, I don't want to sound like a Sony hater, but like, I can I can All only I heard speak today to the things that make me excited. About it. That's all I can do. I have not heard a single person who had their hands on that thing that thought that it was good. I mean, I didn't think it was bad. I just thought it was yeah. Eh. But I'm sorry, dude. We do tend to get down on. <laughs> well, it's it's just <laughs> I'm like sorry. It's just like anyone. Listeners, it's just like anything I on the apologize. old one-up show stuff, right? When someone starts nitpicking anything, it's easy yeah. to start nitpicking. We yeah. used to get this. We used to get this talk all the time. When we all worked at one up. That when we would start in on a chat where the game got like an A. All of a sudden, the chat would take this twist to be like the Mass the, Effect. The Mass chat Effect one in particular, the mind, infamous yeah. one, where it was like that game got like an A plus or something. I think it was yeah an A. But, a, a, but a, people a mostly and then the whole chat was just people being like, "With this fucking game, I hated this part or this yeah. part." And I was like, "What the fuck?" So it yeah, so listen, if you're frustrated at us right now, Sony fans, know that we still love our Sony exclusives. And I have like a three foot boner for God of War three next week. Me too. But uh, oh yeah, and also big Sony announcement. Is that uh, is that uh, fucking Secret of Monkey Island Special Edition is finally oh, yeah. coming to PSN? And is the second one going to come to PSN Mac simultaneously? As well. Yeah, so that one's actually coming to PSN and Mac the same Big day. anti-announcement, Portal 2 is coming to Mac and not PS3. Because <laughs> Mac is a tier one platform. <laughs> I couldn't believe him. When, I couldn't believe I read that when I did it. Because he's like, we're putting games on Macs because Mac is a tier one gaming platform. <laughs> I mean, at least it's a better year to be a Mac gamer, at least. At least you get some shit. Yeah. And you'll get whatever PopCap puts out next. So. Oh, fuck. Enjoy your Sim, your Sim City and Warcraft, fuckers. I saw Bioshock 1 on Mac when I went to the Apple Store last weekend to fix them, the laptop. Well. And Call of Duty 4. Hmm. Um, remember to listen to our friend's podcast, friend's podcast, the Geekbox at Geekbox.net, which I was on the last episode, and uh, the Mobcast at BitMob. Dot com. You, it sounded like you said podcast, and you I was said thinking podcats. that's that that that's the kitty cat podcast. Pausecat. Pause Don't cast. give that out for free. Pausecast. You charge for your ideas, Tyler. Sorry. Um, so yeah, we'll see you all next week. Twitter. When we have time with the proper show. What? Twitter.com slash dirty. And we should have twitter.com slash chuff money. We should have a special guest A-G-I-E-S. next week. Yeah, well, well, we can just say it. Well, no, because if we say it, then it will inevitably fall through. Well, yeah. the goal is to get someone that's leaving a website before they go and move. Oh, dick. We're trying to get David Ellis on the podcast because that's basically what you just said. And he has said yes, but the coordination. How did I say David Ellis is here? I said we're trying to get someone that's leaving a website. Leaving a website. There was anyone. a seven-page NeoGAF thread on that. Was People there really? Know. Yes. People know that David Ellis is leaving that's one up. That's such a weird thing to me. Congratulations any, to our friend David Ellis. Congratulations, but that's still weird to me that any human being leaving a w- website gets a seven-page new. I think thread. the Garnet leaving thread was much bigger. I just don't get it. 
Like, if I even got, like, four posts on the NeoGIF thing, I'd be like, why? That's weird. Technically, I think you got, like, a 51-page post for all the 1UP EGM stuff. Okay, so that was, like, a page per person. I don't go to NeoGAF for the same Fuck. reason I don't go to church, because I don't like talking to the wall. Word. Alright. We don't, we don't need no education? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>